They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. But the teachers are alive. They're not books. They are the very living essences of nature itself. What a strange person. Unbelievably powerful supercomputer that's running our reality and we don't have a clue yep. as to how to operate it. So when... Maybe you or somebody else creates an AGI system and you get to ask her one question. What would that question be? What's outside the simulation? Broadcasting live from Daytona Beach, Florida, this is Lighting the Void, and I'm your host, Joe Roop, and we are live on Fringe.fm, KTLK Digital Broadcasting, as we head deeper into the late night here on this Thursday, June the 23rd on into the 24th. It's midnight here on the East Coast, 9 p.m. Pacific on the West Coast. I hope you're having fun, because we're about to take a break from the daunting and scary ass book we've been reading, Psychic Self-Defense, and tonight... We're going to have Juan Ayala back from the one-on-one podcast and 
Thomas Gorntz from Paranoid American. I'm going to talk about, I mean, we're going to get into some conspiracy talk, a little, maybe some Saturnian stuff, and talk about their new comic book that's coming out that you should definitely, already you should go to Paranoid American and grab the comic books. You should definitely check out Juan's podcast if, if you love entertainment. He's one of the best in the field, in my opinion. And uh, they got a new comic book coming out, and they ran a Kickstarter for it, went above their goal because everybody wants to see this thing, and so do I. And it is, uh, it's pretty rad if you go to the Kickstarter page. The Chosen One versus the Saturnian Cube. And, I mean, this is what I'm talking about, man. So we should, uh, we're going to get right into this, okay? So tonight, the call-in number is the same as always, 1-800-588-0335. You can join the Discord if you want to as well. You can contact the show via email at contact at lighting the void. And somebody hit me up the other day and said I should uh, I should uh, do a text messaging thing with Signal. I have no idea what that is, uh, but maybe we can get into that. Juan, Thomas, what's up, man? Thank you guys for coming on. Thanks for coming hey. back to the late night. Thanks, man. Thanks for having us, man. What Thank is you this, so much. What's this Signal thing that they're talking about? Do you guys know what they're talking about? I use I've been using Signal forever. Although I don't I don't know it as like a a, a tool outside of it just encrypts your that one disappears um, text right? messages. It, yeah, it's got I mean it's got disappearing text, disappearing photos, and but but the main thing is that it's supposed to be uh, encrypted on both people. So if I send you a, a you know a text with Joe and we both have Signal encrypted, like only me and you and the CIA uh, has the. <laughs> the key for that particular message so it makes it a lot harder for anyone else even if they could intercept the data between us um they wouldn't be able to have the key that both me and you share between every single signal message it's just it's a nice extra layer of protection that doesn't already exist if you just use the built-in uh ios or android messaging apps so again it's just it's just you and the person you're talking to and the cia and the nsa and amazon and everyone else just start a telegram joe just, just I have a telegram. Hip. I just have it for the members, though. But maybe. Oh, make one for the show, bro. Yeah, I should. Yeah. Yeah, the, well, the te telegram is, isn't it funny how telegram, they've tried to hack telegram. I think what Apple tried to hack their stuff, not hack it, but get their code or something like that. I think Facebook did or so, something like that. And they kept their, uh, they kept their stuff encrypted. I think telegram is still pretty safe, I would think, you know, so. Don't trust anyone, Joe. Yeah, yeah they're all they're all lizards they're all cut from the same cloth i don't it's i don't care i mean what what are they gonna do right like what are they gonna do to, i mean i do care about my privacy don't get me wrong but i'm not like scared about it you know so i'm i'm not a, a fan of any particular platform or technology or whatever but man out of like trying to run your own thing discord still seems like a really nice option because you got channels and voice channels and organization mm -hmm. and you can assign moderators and stuff and none of that exists in any other platform that i'm aware of to the same extent definitely not telegram yeah no no telegram is nice because it's i guess a lot of people have caught on to it but it can get a little bit overwhelming with all the people just talking on one channel i do it, like it, that about discord but it's like Facebook a little bit, like nobody, at least no one I know, like wants to use Facebook, I but Facebook. everyone's on Facebook. So like you have to go to where the people are at. And it's sort of the same thing with everyone, you know, Telegram, Signal, Discord, uh, Kofi and, and Snapchat and TikTok and every single one you can think of. Only fans. You should start. Like, I don't, fans, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what would I do? Fans, I mean, so, I, yeah. I don't, I'm not into the porn 
I mean, does it have to be porn to do that? No, or? absolutely not. I mean, you you can just be wanting to support and put someone through school for just the goodness of your heart, and if they want to dance, okay, a Manly bit, P. Hall, more, more power here. to them. But... <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know, Manly P. Hall had two sugar mamas, bro, not one. Yeah, <laughs> did y'all ever find out the truth about that? If Manly did, Manly P. Hall really have sugar mamas? Like, yeah, two two sugar mamas. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, to find out the truth. I mean, we didn't go and investigate and talk to anybody. It was just written. Although, book, but <laughs> if I might, if I might add, I have until now a, a interview secured with somebody who studied with him for seven years. Cool. Okay. So he knew him personally. So we'll see if that goes through. If it doesn't, and I might, I might just ask him, like, yo, is it true that he had two oil heirs that the heiresses that were? Sh- his sugar mamas apparently one was a lesbian and wanted to marry him but he wasn't into her so i don't i don't know well wasn't wasn't it a mother and a daughter a mother and a daughter that, yeah. I, I would believe that for yeah, sure that, that's it was it was a mother and a daughter that were like big time into occultism and mm-hmm. he was big time into occultism and they're like hey we got this money and he's like hey i got this knowledge and they were like hey you know two and two <laughs> equals four let's do this I got the money, you got the honey, let's do it. Right? <laughs> well, imagine, Joe, how nice that would be. Like, if you just, like, had this listener that really likes your show, she's super rich, <laughs> she just hits you up and goes, hey, I'm going to support daughter. you. Me and my I'm daughter gonna... really support you. We're well, going to support the I mean, the to void. be honest with you, most of my supporters are that way, to, to be honest with you. I mean, like, but I, they're not sugar mamas by any means. Well, you know? well this actually, this answered a, a, a deep question I had for so long. And it's a question I have for every occultist before 1970. And that's that, how rich were you that you were able to ignore the pains of everyday life and right. just focus on occult right. research? Like, you have to be rich already uh, <laughs> to even have the luxury of, like, finding these books and, you know, ignoring uh, you know, just like not dying of dysentery or whatever. Uh, I, think, I, I say that somewhat jokingly, but that was that's true. And and we found that about the the sugar mama and the sugar daughter. It was like finally something makes sense. Here's how Manly P. Hall was able to just like yeah, kick because back it and never all day. made sense to me. Like some of his best stuff was in his twenties and you know, like his or late twenties or whatever, right? And I'm thinking you're supposed to be at work right now. At yeah, 20. like how Come is on, he do- how is he doing this? You know, like I. I lived in a shack when I did my radio show, right? <laughs> right. Until I got enough support, I could start doing things. But it, it's by no means. And and another thing too, like to to preach as much as he preaches about like ethics, Masonic ethics, and spiritual yeah. code, and things <laughs> like that. To find Uh-oh. out that he was bought, you know, it's like, come on, Joe, man. don't don't hate the player, hate the game, but, bro. No, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm not hating. Him. It's here's the, you know if you've read his books though. That he talks about selling the money and selling your stuff for material gain and this stuff. He talks about it all the time. So well, for, let me. That would be I crazy. Burst your, I don't want to burst anybody's bubble about Manly Hall because I'm a very big Manly Hall fan. I've learned a lot of stuff from him, but he wasn't exactly what you're saying. Where like it's like pre, you know, practice what you preach. He was eating junk food and he had you know he was close to he's diabetic yeah, and all this big, stuff he was, he was doing stuff that was against what he was preaching about because he would preach about all this stuff and at, towards the end of his life he was looking for the extension of his life something so he was looking for the metaphysical and that's how he got scammed and allegedly murdered so that there's a whole thing there's a whole conspiracy there but he wasn't what he actually 
was putting out as far as like all this mysticism and how you're yeah. saying spirituality and look within and all this. He was eating Twinkies probably and, and, and zebra cakes at his house. Dude. Zebra cakes. Oh, dude. <laughs> See, I, I, I think everyone's allowed to be, I think you're allowed to be a hypocrite as a human. Yeah, and, yeah, and honestly, for sure. I mean, I eat little Debbie's all the time, dude. Yeah. Well, and, and I think a, a good point to make here is that like all three of us could say like, oh yeah, it would be great to run two miles every day. And like, like the three of us know that, you know, unequivocally, yeah, it'd be great. Like, did you run two miles today, Joe? I didn't run two miles today. I walked a good amount of ways, but that's only because I I don't want to drive my car. (laughs) But you can still tell everyone you know, hey, it would be great if you ran two miles a day while you yourself don't do it. And it's still true. Um, And it. I don't know if that makes you a hypocrite, but it's it's kind of along those same lines. It's it's those that that can't do teach, right? (laughs) That's what it is. I can't argue with that, man. So that's why I teach radio hosts because I'm not that good at it, right? <laughs> but I know all the stuff about it. You know, I know a lot about it. One on one, just like a, a teacher, you watch your students go off and like start making four and five times uh, what you make within yeah. like a year, right? Yeah, man. I mean, look, like um, uh, even in jujitsu, there uh, there's a couple of instructors that have never been in the ring, never fought, or whatever. There's a few camps that have like uh grown some badass fighters man like champions and they're not anywhere close to being a fighter or anything like that they just study the hell out of it you know or help a boxing coaches is a great idea hell i mean uh outside of the the creepy connotations of recent news but like a gymnastics teacher is typically like an old <laughs> yeah dude everybody right? knows the gymnastics he's... teacher right? <laughs> but i mean he's not doing backflips he's not doing none of those gymnastics where, moves, where they touch you knows... thomas <laughs> show me where they touched you on the doll oh no is are we gonna get into the mcmartin uh preschool trial uh, memory did, uh repression here did both you guys grow up in florida I was born in Puerto Rico until I was like six or seven. Then I came to Florida. Yeah, cool. And I moved to Florida around the same time. And I, I would argue I'm even more Floridian than native Floridians because I came from New York, which is like the ultimate Florida. Oh yeah, Florida for move. sure. Yeah, <laughs> everybody. So, yeah. And I, I move. I moved from upstate New York to Florida around same thing, seven or eight. I moved from oh, upstate to Florida at 38, 39 years old. We're so. all three Florida men. I just realized that. Yeah. We have the, the Holy Trinity here of Florida men. <laughs> the Holy Trinity. <laughs> what, the right. summon a homunculus right now. I, I, I call Holy Spirit, so you guys get to fight over father and son. <laughs> well, there there is a place, man, I want you guys to go with me if we ever get time. And it's right outside of Daytona Beach. And it's like, it's it sounds stupid. But it's some like fairy forest thing, right? That where they're supposed to have like magical <laughs> elemental creatures. I don't want to go there for that. I want to go there because they have a chair there that they claim is the, the devil's, devil's chair, man. Yeah, is you that in Casadega? Can, I, well, I haven't been there. Have you been there? We drove past. Uh, didn't we drive past it on Saturday, Thomas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and wait, Thomas were wait, in Jacksonville. So you guys were in my neck of the woods. You didn't come by and say what's up or nothing. You didn't it come out to a... the beach. You got to book us through our agents, bro. What do you? Yeah. Oh my god. We were hanging dude. with Triply, dog. We, we, you know what I mean? We were we were doing it big with the big dogs. So it wasn't they? Weren't they in Jacksonville? I thought they were yeah, in Jacksonville. They were up there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got invited, funny. but I couldn't go. I couldn't go. I wanted to though. I really I oh, wanted gotta... to see uh, what's his name. Uh, not Triply. I love Sam. Don't get me wrong, but uh, the redneck dude oh. from Louisiana. I wanted to see him. Wasn't he there? Red redneck dude from louisiana Who? he wasn't there no well, then i'm glad i Not didn't that I go remember. uh 
Theo Vaughn. I thought Theo Vaughn was. Oh be no 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 no! It was Eddie Bravo and and Sam Tripp. It was a small thing. It was it was cool. Mm. We enjoyed it. There was a lot of people there, and yeah, we just drove up there, drove back. We I stopped at the first time at Bucky's for the first time ever. Yeah, talking about sliders, man. The Bucky yeah. sliders. Yeah, well, the next yeah, time those, you go through, man, you, you guys should come out to come to Daytona. We'll go sit in the devil's chair out there. Never, well, we'll or, go see Elementals with you, bro. We'll, we'll yeah. get together and go see Elementals. <clears throat> I'm not. I'm not so interested in the fairy forest. I know a lot of people are into that stuff, but I don't. I don't. I I want to. I have a fascination with the devil for some reason. Like I want to see if he's real. And so far, the only thing that I've I've found that is like this. You ever seen that movie? It, you know, like. It's yeah, just the one that just came out on Netflix. It's kind of freaky, but the it thing kind of plays on your fear. So I did like this chaos magic ritual to invoke the devil once, not to trade, you know, or to get anything from it. I just you're talking to... my my language here, man. I'm I'm all <laughs> I've been begging Juan to summon a demon with me for months, really, and he's a he's afraid to, and I'm all I I want to like I want to record it and get rich, right? Like if if me and you can actually record a demon being summoned on video no one else has done that before so like let's be the ones yeah the only person i ever talked to that had me convinced that they actually summoned something into physical form was steven skinner right he's got a ton of books out on magic right and gordon white talks about him all the time but i had him on the show a long time ago when i used to have like guests every night right and this guy was one of the most well-known ceremonial magicians on the planet and i asked him i said why do you invoke demons? And he wasn't, he didn't like hesitate at all. He was like, because I get what I want. That's it. Right. And he, I'm like, that's it. You don't do it. He said, I said, I don't do it for spiritual purposes or whatever. Like I do it to get what I want to get in life. You know, I don't, and, I don't think he's read secret teachings of all ages. No, well, I'm sure he has. Right. But he Daddy has a Hall whole, says not to do that. He has a whole different <laughs> me, uh, like outlook on this thing. Right. But, uh, also, he talked about how he summoned a demon when he was, I think he was 16 in physical form, and he saw its eyes and everything. Anyways, when I did this invocation, it's just a crossroads ritual. You've all heard about it, right? Everybody's heard about it. But Gordon White has a pretty good one in his book called Chaos Magic Protocols, right? Or Chaos Protocols. When I did this invocation, you're supposed to say all of the names and then you find a crossroads thing and you go out there and you keep going out there by yourself. And in that book, he says that you'll know when he shows up. You'll just know, right? It's, you won't be questioning it or anything. Third day, I knew exactly what he was talking about. It's like that movie, It. You just get filled with a massive amount of fear, right? Like the kind you did when you were a little kid, but almost more. And that's the only reality, bro, that I've ever, out of doing all this ceremonial stuff, as far as the dark side goes, that's the darkest anything has ever gotten for me. You know, and are you, I'm are you a, just describing an emotional reaction? Yeah, I mean, that's that basically what it was. It wasn't even, I wasn't even thinking about it. It just, I, have you ever had a panic attack before? Like a real? Yeah, th I think so. I think so, but. Well, then you hadn't had one, not like I have, if you think so. Okay. Right. But. <laughs> It's like that. It just comes up in you, and you don't know where it came from. You weren't thinking about it. You just started freaking out, right? That kind of emotion that that came up in me, you know. And other than that, though, I was like, okay, well, I've dealt with this. I dealt with this when I was a little kid. If this is all you got, I'm not impressed, you know. 
because I was hoping to see something crazy and scary and life-changing and that a way I would believe more in the, in the metaphysical realm, period. It wasn't about bringing evil or good or the devil or God. It was just, I want to see on the other side kind of thing, you know. Angels yeah. don't seem to do that for me. They, they seem to make my life really hard, so I learn lessons, you know. They don't really <laughs> share John that, D. Man. You know, if if John D wasn't able to do it, I don't think anyone really can. I mean, exactly. I, I think it's all I think it's all mental, bro. Like, you know, you think about Mephistopheles and like that painting of Elphus. I think it's Elphus Levi that painted the magician summoning Mephistopheles that looks like a little Yoda. It, like when you think about that, even the, the Faustian myth, when you think about that, like that's what Harry Potter is all about. Like it's, you know, an actual wand and all this stuff. I don't mm. think it's like that. I think it's more mental and how you said more elemental than anything. It's yeah. more metaphysical, not the actual physical stuff. That's why it's all about scrying and sitting there and looking like you're, Oh, I can see the angels are asking. They want to swap. They want us to swap wives. Yeah, for oh, three hundred and thirty-three for three hundred and thirty-three dollars, <laughs> and I get your wife, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. So <laughs> just think about that. I mean, that just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So I think it's how the Hermetic principle all is mind. I think that's what it's really about, and more of like how you're saying that energy of feeling like, oh, something's watching me. Something's yeah. in the corner there, and and that's a remember that's a a primal what hb lovecraft says the the oldest and strongest kind of emotion is fear and fear of the unknown so that's through all the generations of all your ancestors feeling fear that's what you felt because it's something yeah. that you don't know about you know what i it's, mean like it's already pretty scary to to go out in the woods by yourself find a crossroads and it can be any crossroads wait till like three thirty in the morning go out there and then start invoking all the names that satan's been given not just one all of them <laughs> right and say them in the dark by yourself. So in a, in a sense, you're already like kicking up things in your unconscious that are there to freak you out, I think, you know. And not just that, but it's not like anyone in this world lives in a vacuum. So like even if you wear all kinds of fancy cloaks and you've got old grimoires and stuff, like, yeah, yeah. you've seen the Freddy Krueger series and you've seen The Ring and you've seen horror movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, dude. Uh, so like when you go and do these, you know, um, magic rituals and you're out in the middle of the woods and in the dark, like you can't not think about Jason being in those woods with you, <laughs> right. you know. But but then again, bro, like the things that have happened to me as far as like out of body stuff, the astral realm or the stuff I saw when I was a kid. I mean, unless I'm, uh, I guess, uh, what do you call it? Not sociopathic, schizophrenic, right? Unless I'm schizophrenic, then, you know, uh, that stuff did happen to me, you know. But it, as far as like trying to see it in the physical world, I think. I'm not saying it's not real. I'm not saying you can't do it. There's plenty of books and magicians out there. People say they have. They've brought things from the astral realm, the unconscious realm, collective unconscious, whatever you want to call it. And they've brought. Do they ever video. have a reason why it's not on video? And I Never. don't see that. It's the same I don't see thing that to be Bigfoot. a flippant thing, yeah. but it's like, I just out of a numbers <laughs> game, if you know thousands of people can manifest things in the reality, like actually manifest a real thing in reality. Why not do it in front of your iPhone? Like everyone knows that you want to get proof of it too. Because it's bullshit, Thomas. Well, well it I mean, doesn't that's... work that way though. It doesn't. That's my like. Well, 
what if that's a better work, example though? but then how does it work then then explain how it does work and if it's just up to everyone's interpretation then we're right back at it's like a yeah yeah because i've done the same thing in the ufo field i've had people go out and say okay go sit in this field and look at these this light or whatever and then just pray to the aliens that they'll I come i want to get probed tonight and whatever come right probe me and then I, and you know, I'm trying to keep an open mind. I don't want to be too big of a skeptic. I have, we all have to be a skeptic if we're healthy minded though. Right. Like, so, but I'm, I'm looking and I'm doing everything and it's like, don't you see the star flashing now that that's an alien. I'm like, what? No, that's a, you know what this, it's a twinkling it star is what like, it is. Right. Like, of like, like someone selling you bunk acid in high school and they're like, no, yes. bro, you're tripping. Just don't you see the spider webs everywhere? And you're like, yeah, I think maybe I do see spider webs a little bit. You know what I mean? And then like, but in retrospect, you're like, nah, dude, that, like I just got ripped off. Like there's nothing in here. And I'm just like tricking myself into thinking so. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I was talking about or, like, that. When, when, when they serve night. the, the, the kids like tarts. non-alcoholic beer and they all get like drunk off of it. And you're like, oh, it was non-alcoholic. Placebo, yeah. yeah. The sweet tarts with the wet dot in the middle where they put oil on it and told you it was acid in high school and you <laughs> ate it. And then there's like ten people actually thinking they're tripping, you know, and you're like, I don't, I don't feel. I'm nothing. glad it wasn't just uh, my school, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. that gets into crowd psychology. How you're saying that everybody starts to do the same thing. Me and Thomas got a show together. It's called the Occult Book Club, where we read obscure books in history. And one of the ones that we covered was the of the father of crowd psychology, Gustav Le Bon. Yeah. where a crowd becomes a living entity it becomes a living organism and the crowd is as as smart as the dumbest person in that crowd so right, when right. you have a collective consciousness it becomes its own living breathing thing so if one person is stripping everybody else it starts to like rub because it's it's this metaphysical thing that he calls a, a parasite and it gets it weaves its way through the crowd and people start to feel a certain type of way all together all at the same time that's how you get you know mass hysteria or like even riots that people start acting like just crazy or having a bunch of people wear masks that don't need exa to exactly it's it's <laughs> this psychological thing again it's all well, mental well he, he, this one always uh throws me for a loop but i love this example have you ever seen the videos of like 50 different metronomes all ticking at completely different intervals and then mm -hmm. over time they all start to completely synchronize with each other um i think that they're like there's a there's a more physical manifestation of this it's not just beyond yeah, it's not just like a mental thing <laughs> like there's act like like i don't know if you want to say vibrations or like pheromones that are going off or just like a general energy that can very much like you walk into a room where like something major just happened you can kind of like feel the energy in the room in a way and not in like a mystical woo-woo sense but like there's actually like nervous energy just from maybe subconscious picking up on how things are moving around. But I always mm. relate this back to that, that room full of metronomes that it start out of sync and then become in sync. Well, if your left and brain hemisphere will do that, right? Like if you're, if your mind will do that with like two frequencies that are just barely apart, mm -hmm. it'll sync those two together and make it one tone. And that's just a part of your brain. How do you imagine that a whole bunch of polarized human beings would be when you put them together and start, you know, kind of feeding them the same thing? Eventually, something's going to come into union, right? Like, in some kind of way. And then if you're the guy that says, man, this is bullshit, then you're the party pooper. You're, <laughs> you're the negative guy, right? 
That's you're you the one that's causing we, problems. I, I feel like you're pointing at me because I I identify with that very much. So. Yeah. Can exactly. you imagine the uh, the occultist yelling at us right now? Like, what are you talking about, man? Yeah. I've done it before. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like the the system. Send that us I, videos. Send the videos in right now. The system that I read from uh, Liam Thomas Christopher's book Kabbalah Magic and the Work of Self Transformation, understanding that this stuff happens in the unconscious. And then what's called the astral realm, like that stuff has really helped my life in, in a massive way, bro. I'm not going to lie to you. It has. Uh, and the things that I've invoked in those ceremonies have came into my life. But it doesn't like it doesn't mean it's not real. I just think like the connotations that we put on things to. I mean, neuroscientists don't even understand the human brain all the way. yet. They're still experimenting with that. Like, how are we to say that we understand? what we can't even see right and start talking about it as if it's true you know all the time i, I yeah, just fair don't enough. see it you know uh, uh, one of the things that i usually think of when especially we're talking about like summoning demons and like whether or not they're real and everything like are are Jungian archetypes real like in right. my mind they're real but it's not like i can manifest you know like the wise old man archetype in front of me but like that now is like a category that's in my brain. So when I'm reading something or I'm following a story, it's like, oh, that's that archetype. Mm -hmm. um, and and now it's like a real thing. And I and I I have to force my brain to believe that you know the books of seventy two demons or whatever. It's really just like a description of these different archetypes, so that you can help classify you know behaviors that you see in other people and yourself, um, just as like a like an index or like a codex. Yeah, we can weave this into the comic book because this is something that it kind of sort of relates. So, you know, you're talking about the Archons, Thomas, about, you know, Goetia, Solomonic Magic, all that type of stuff. And my, the main conspiracy that got me into, into podcasting really was when I listened to uh, Nick Hinton on Tinfoil Hat and when he was talking about the Saturnian uh, time cube simulation and when you start digging into the cube symbolism and you start seeing all these black cubes popping up in movies and, and in religions and, you know, in, in Mecca, in Mecca is a big cube. They got yeah. two big cubes at the nine 11 Memorial site. They're the Tesseract is a cube, you know, Hellraiser and the transformers and all these movies, they got cubes. Uh, and when you start digging into that and then the idea that Kronos is the Demiurge, and the and his control. I don't know if you've ever Googled or YouTubed these sounds from space. And Johannes Kepler was a, a fa he was attributed to figuring out that planets don't orbit in a you know an actual just circle. It's more like an oval. But he <laughs> apparently he was trying. He was he transcribed the sounds and the frequencies that each planet makes and tried to play it, but it sounded like really bad when he had like the composer play yeah. it. But this idea that it's, it's science that every planet has its own frequency. If you listen to Saturn. I've, I think I've heard Saturn before. We're going to take a break here too, but I do want to talk about y'all's comic book, but I think of, I think we should play what you're talking about. We come back and get deeper into what you're saying, man. I think we'll summon a demon. If we do that, we might sure. summon a demon. All right. Yeah. We're recording. Let's get it around. Let's get it film. <laughs> We're here with Juan Ayala from the one-on-one podcast and Thomas Gortz from Paranoid American. These guys do a lot of work together 
You should go check out both the websites and the podcast. I'll be right back. The one-on-one podcast is that's all on the fr- on the Fringe FM on Friday nights. I think we're going to move it to a more prime time slot, but you can also check it out at the one-on-one podcast.com. If you want entertainment and you want to be, uh, well, I mean, if you like entertainment, just listen to one. I love one. I love you, brother. You, you're good at what you do. And so is Thomas. Too. Thomas is uh, really good at the work they're doing over at Paranoid American, which they've been doing for some time now. Now they got this comic book out, Juan. I'm so jealous, man. The Chosen One versus the Saturnian Cube. And we were just talking about that before the break about Saturn and all the, uh, you know, all of the esoteric history about it and all of the cube worship that goes on. It's a big deal in the conspiracy community. I think it's worth uh, investigating and looking at, too. I only understand it from just a regular astrological and I would say magical and Kabbalistic point of view. But as far as, like, the depths of how we've, I don't know, you could say, like, worshipped this planet or made a god out of it, you know, it's it's pretty intense. You were talking about that before I cut you off for the break, Juan. Yeah, I talked about the the sounds that are coming from from Saturn, the frequencies. And if you know about the study of cymatics, where frequencies and sound affect matter, the whole conspiracy is that Saturn is the sixth planet from the sun. Saturn day is the sixth day of the week. Right. It's got a six sided shape on its north pole. And when you connect the dot, when you connect the dots on that, it forms a cube. And this idea that Kronos or Saturn is the demiurge, right? Father time. And he is controlling and through cymatics is suppressing us in this prison planet. That's a very dark idea. A lot of people don't like the dark Gnostic idea, but I think it's pretty cool. Man, bro. bro, And all of my studies and everything I've done is what you're saying is spot on. Like here's the sounds that you're talking about. I mean, it, it even sounds creepy, right? And that's the only one that sounds that way. It sounds like people screaming. Every other one, and, and Venus. Venus sounds kind of weird, too, but that one in particular sounds like there's people screaming, like a bunch of souls just trapped in in, <laughs> in the rings of Saturn or something. And it, it's a fun idea to play with. And so I, I said, hey, why not make the comic about fighting the Demiurge and figuring out this interdimensional technology that's given to me in the comic book and we have a lot of notable people in the comic book we have sam tripley alex stein isaac weishop a bunch of different podcasters in the alt media united group and we're going to have joe roop in there as well once we get the ball rolling i want to get the first one out and once that's out and we have you know issue two three four we can really have fun with it because it's just like any good show right you start watching the show the first three episodes are kind of slow and after that you really start putting in the the story arcs and you know as the character development comes through you know you have to tell a good story so oh bro i think uh, it's amazing the first one but 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 i'm a comic book nerd bro like i love comic books and uh i love the storylines i love the artwork i love the creativity of it my favorite one is still hands down the invisibles you know or the you know um Get right on. Hell yeah, brother. It, it just is like, I don't know what it is about it. It's addicting to me, you know? And, uh, I think, I don't know if it was, if it was in the first book, but like within the first two floppy issues of the invisibles, you realize that the, 
like the decapitated head of John the Baptist is one of their sidekicks. I was like, like, these are my people. This book was written for me. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe it's but, the sigil magic, Joe. Do you think it's that that draws people in the sigil magic? Yeah, deck? definitely. Because what's there? So esoterically, what you guys are talking about all the time, but we talk about on the show too, has been talked about since the beginning of time. The seven traditional planets, what they stand for, the gods that correspond them, whether it's Babylonian, Egyptian, Greek, whatever, they all they all line up with these planets, right? And these planets, according to a lot of esoteric literature, govern so many things in our world, right? And when people do stories, whether it's a movie or like The Fifth Element or do a comic book like The Invisibles or something like that, and they talk about these things, I think it speaks to our what you were talking about earlier, our unconscious connection to our ancestry. And it like we just become hooked onto it, man. Like there's like The Fifth Element when I first saw that movie. It immediately became one of my favorite movies. And I'm like, why do I like this movie? It's got some chick in it that's. Bruce Willis is definitely a chode in this movie. Like, what? Like, why do I care so much about this movie? But I think it was because the symbolism and the story of the elemental esoteric symbolism that was going on, and there's some planetary stuff in there too, but it was mainly the story of the elements and love, you know, the pentacle story. The planet story is the hexagram story, you know? So it was mainly that that got my attention. And then... You know, when I read The Invisibles, I was like, oh, that, I didn't even know Grant Morrison was doing a hyper sigil when I read that the first time till I saw his YouTube video about it. Mm-hmm. That's the trippy part. Like, he, things started coming into his life that he put into that comic book. So you guys, you know, maybe think about that while you're making these no, well, Thomas and I were discussing that about putting a hyper sigil in there and manifesting something. But then I was like, if I got to be power bottom for Baphomet in the comic book, is it going to manifest itself (laughs) in real life? So we kind of withheld from that because we don't want to, you know, I don't want to get how Kelly got attacked by an angel with a shovel and John had to banish it with his little wand. I don't want that to happen to me. So we're like, let's hold off on the sigils for now. All right, let's, let's take it. Let's take it easy. All right. I mean, in, in a sense, like, if you guys put your heart and emotion into this thing, and you, I'm almost curious to see what happens once it comes out and everybody else starts putting their eyes on it and starts reading it. I think, I, I already think some very interesting things might happen to you guys. Maybe we'll see what happens. Well, but w- I, wouldn't that be an interesting experiment? Because I know how you are, Juan. You want to you wanna prove stuff. So why not in your next one? Put a hypersensitive in there and see what happens. See what I've happens. been, I've been, uh, this last week I've had a, I've been synchronistically charged as yeah. of lately. There have been some syn- some interesting synchronicities in my life that have been uh, manifesting, and I don't know if it's got to do with this, you know, the Kickstarter being at two hundred percent and people looking at it, and I've been pumping it on Whoa. social media. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if it's been that, but how you're saying it could be an interesting thought experiment because i do believe everything is mental and i and i use like i said i mean i use i use magic i believe and i think that the the power of thought is magic i think that alone is is powerful in itself if if you know how to place your ideas and really you know focus on them you know what i mean yeah and i think faith goes into it a little bit too that letting go thing you know that that definitely happens but 
you know, and Kabbalistically, it's funny that Saturn is Saturn is on the pill of as corresponds with the pillar of severity at the top in the sphere of Bina, but is considered a, in the only place in the esoteric realm is considered the female principle of holding the world together, kind of, so to speak. But every other uh, principle is male. It's like father time, chronos, laws, judges, police, you know, boundaries, uh, lead, every hard boundary there is, uh, Saturn's there. And so it gets a bad rap in the esoteric field too. But also, like, it's kind of like, if, in, if you believe this, but it's kind of like, hey, if you take care of your shit, Saturn rewards you too. And the magical mm. world, that's how they look at it, right? It's there to tell you that, hey, this is what you need to do. Take care of mm-hmm. your stuff, right? And then Jupiter and Saturn are kind of like playing this thing all the time against each other. Jupiter's the giver and the expander and the protector, and Saturn's the, you know, this is the law. I'm going to bring the hammer down. And Kabbalistically, it brings the hammer down through Mars, which is severity. That's why you see uh, the justice card and the tarot card where their, their arms are like this. Because the right hand is on the pillar of severity, and the left hand is the scales of balance on the pillar of mercy where Jupiter is, right? So uh, it's funny sometimes we don't understand that the rider weight card, the rider weight deck was designed from that Kabbalistic tree, not what you see on YouTube all the time. I mean, it does have those energies in there, but... You know, yeah, and also matrix means womb. So, I mean, if we're being in, imprisoned in this false matrix, it's the womb of you know, the, the is it the world, mother, the mother goddess, who knows? But it's an interesting idea, definitely, that we are uh, not, a, not awakened, that we are not born with knowing. That's the whole thing with the tree of knowledge. I, I've been, I've been diving into the creation story. I had this podcast that I did yesterday. And we were talking about serpent cults, serpent worship, and we were talking about the Ouroboros and all these things. And that the serpent was in, you know, certain Gnostic cosmologies, it was the the eagle, Yahweh, and the serpent was Sophia. And, you know, there's also stories about that Eve slept with the serpent. That's how you get the serpent seed. You know what I mean? Like the reptilians and all this stuff. So there's different cosmologies that you can follow, but it's an interesting idea to, to really it's think incest. about the whole... Yeah, the, and the whole reason behind the Tree of Knowledge was so that the Demiurge didn't want you to know, have the knowledge that you were in prison in this false reality, in this false planet. I mean, it have, says you know, that in the, I mean, it says that in our scriptures, they're, they're trying to be like us, the Elohim are saying us, right? In so, the image of us too, you know? Yeah, I mean, and then, then when you look at things Kabbalistically, right, like there's different Elohim gods for each sphere on the pillar of, uh, on all these pillars. And then, man, and it gets deep. It really does. But all of Western uh, esoteric systems are based upon that tree. And, I mean, even Freemasons that actually get into this stuff start realizing that after a while, if they get into it, if they're there for more than the beer and the rituals and hanging out with their buddies, you know. Those but you got you got beer stuff. at your lodge. Like, that's lodge that's Thomas that? right there. That's the definition of we, Thomas. Wait, my, well, my lodge always ended with like mashed potatoes and like cranberry meatloaf. juice. Mashed potatoes, yeah, and cranberry <laughs> juice. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the the drinkers are always the Shriners. Yeah. Well, uh, I didn't last very long, to be honest with you. And Freemasonry, I kind of bounced after, you know, I saw what it was really about, like. I, what I'm was not, it really about, Joe? To me, it was really it was it was just a fraternity, dude. That's what it was really about, man. It was like it 
I wanted to, I like the fraternal side of it. Don't get me wrong. But when I started to talk about these deeper things, my uncle and everybody, they just look at me like, what? You know, like. See, and, and that, <laughs> it's it's funny because it's like, uh, man, the, I was trying to find the, the right analogy for this here, Dave. The one that I always go to is like, when you're at school, right? <clears throat> there's only like a subset of people that like to be at school. Like, yeah. like a, mm-hmm. a lot of people would just rather be anywhere but school. So already, if you've got people that want to be at school, that's kind of, let's just say it's at least half or less. It's like a minority. And then within those people, there's some that are like, I love school so much. I want to stay after school and do even more math. Right. Now you've got this like tiny subset within this already small subset. So I kind of see this in like, as like the Masons that actually want to talk about occult esoteric stuff. Like not only do you have to like school and become a Mason, but then to like stay after and do extracurricular work and like read through old grimoires and, and discuss, you know, magical invocations. And well, stuff. That, like, I mean, Mackie and all those guys, that's how they were. That's all the Masonic books I read, right? Like, I got into this stuff because of those guys. And then, you know, the people I were with, they'd be like, yeah. When you'd say your rituals and you'd say, you know, what you were supposed to repeat and all that stuff, yeah, well, you got it. That's great. You know, an exciting thing. And then I would say something like, oh, okay, so I think I get the deeper meaning why there's, you know, two Johns, right? There's John the Baptist and there's St. John of Revelations. Like, I get this whole, like, thing. And they'd be like, yeah, huh? And anyways, you know, and just go on doing something else, right? And it's like, I mean, I had, not... I had slightly different experience uh, from that, but I, I know what you're talking about. But it's like you had, you got to find that like the one or two other weirdos in the lodge room, yeah. and go and gravitate towards them, because because in in the lodge, I met one guy that blew my mind, because because I went in with like a conspiratorial mindset already. Um, but although I was interested because I found my grandpa, long story, but, but in the lodge, I remember one guy was telling me how he hundred percent believed that all of the rituals were ceremonial magic and the procession around the room and the way that everyone stand that, that every single lodge meeting was a hundred percent, a magical ritual and they were invoking all kinds of energies. And, and I just remember like, oh man, like he's a weirdo too. This is awesome. I yeah. found one. You know what I mean? <laughs> it is though. I mean, I'm like, um. It's, it, it is, you know, it is now. For, for and and sure. people come in and go out too. You know what I mean? Like, like that guy and me, the weirdos, you know, like we might've had an active interest and actively gone to lodge for a year or two straight. And then a lot of people are just like, yeah, I got other stuff going on. I don't, yeah. Like for me, it was like, I got a little bit too fat for the suit that I had to wear. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know if I want to go and get measured for a whole new suit and drive across town every other Tuesday. Yeah. And so it was like, I'll just be speculative from home. You know, I'll be I real thought, speculative. I actually like to dress it up, man. Cause I got, dude, I, got, I did too. I got I did decked too, man, out. But- I had the pinstripe undershirt, dude. I had the suspenders. The best freaking shoes you could get. I had the, the wings right on my shoes. I looked good. But when we went to the Albert Pike Temple, I, by the time the night was over, I was so uncomfortable. I get what you're saying. Like, I was so uncomfortable just from the clothes and everything. I was ready to go home after about two hours. <laughs> I, I hope this doesn't reflect poorly on me. I'm sure it does, but whatever. But, nah. man, I... I only was awake through maybe a third of the the Scottish <laughs> right through like so like I got the certificate that says thirty second degree but if we only count the ones I was awake through like it wouldn't be so high I don't think how long did I it just want to be get through all those uh, so I mean here in Central Florida and I assume many other places there was like a like a three day weekend that you could just go to do the um you know to to go from basically 
four through thirty-two. Really, like three days. Damn, that's cool. But you had to, you had to be a master mason for yeah, over sure, a year yeah. um, before you did that. But yeah, and I mean the the other track is that you you could do it over the course of you know a year or two years and go in and observe um you know not every degree at a time but you would get like three or four at a time um there's also one that i was showing one and I, I think i blew his mind on this one it was like last year the year before but one of the lodges in the in the northern uh, jurisdiction for scottish rape masonry had their annual on like a video production um, like you would log into the website and pay like 150 bucks or whatever. And you legitimately by watching it over your computer online could go from master Mason, the 32nd degree just by watching it. And that was over the course of like a four hour live stream. Wow. I want to be like manly hollow. I want to be given the 33rd degree. Yeah. Just from knowing the stuff like, yo, <laughs> you don't have to go to any of these classes. Here you go. You're 33rd degree. And that's it. You know, and he knew all the secrets and, it was done. And then he stopped talking around. about it forever. And he, he never talked talking. about it ever after that. Well, about it. so I, you know, here's, here's what I think people need to understand. Like I, I don't, I'm not, I don't know more about ceremonial magic than I do Freemasonry. Right. You like, you guys have been studying this stuff for a while now, right? You just been studying it, doing podcasts about it, things like that. People want to know because we're studying these things. They always ask me, well, don't you have weird experiences? Don't you have paranormal experiences? Cause you're talking about it, right? You're, you're studying this stuff. Does it draw weird things to you? And I'm like, well, no, I can't explain it to them. I'm like, well, maybe in my dreams it does. Cause I don't think it's about drawing weird things to you. I think it's about mm -hmm. understanding reality more. Right. Like, I would flip mm -hmm. it to me. It's the opposite. It's like weird things happen to me, which makes me seek out, weird answers which then leads me into like the new age and occult book section uh you know more often than it leads me into like any other section well did, i mean that's what i'm trying to get at do, do weird things happen to you you obviously say they do but what about you on like do you have like weird stuff happen to you that you talk about at all or is it just pretty straightforward straight edge like skepticism kind of thing so, I mean, other than synchronicities, I've never had, other, you know, how I've talked about on the show before, my sleep paralysis episodes. Other than that, I don't. And you got to understand that when I, when I, when I'm reading something for, for example, like a grimoire or something uh, esoteric or darker, and I feel my mind wandering, I, I let it be known that I'm not going to give my energy towards whatever that is. You understand what I'm saying? Like once I feel my mind wandering and, or my energy wandering, I, I it's, this is the scholarly approach. You know, that's it. This is all I want from, I'm just trying to read the information and that's that. So, but I haven't ever had anything really too weird happen to me. You know, I haven't been visited by any ghost or anything. So you're, you're truth seeking. That's it. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Whatever the truth is to me, I, and, and not so much truth seeking, but being able to identify it when you see it. So, you know, one thing is to know that you're in a game versus when you don't know you're in a game. If you're a, you know, a, what is ignorance is bliss. If you know it and you can see it, you can identify it. And I kid, I, I was kidding around before the show started, but you know, like psychic vampires, mm -hmm. like when you, that's a real thing. Yeah, There's it's definitely people real. Literally, will and I've been on shows, dude. That I've gone in the in, in the room, and there was this one particular person that just rubs me the wrong way, and they just suck the energy from the entire stream. 
And I, you know, and I'll message somebody in the background, like, dude, why do they, you know, why do they have so-and-so on? And they'll be like, dude, I hate that guy. You know, I don't like that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I think he has a weird energy. And it's like, oh, I thought I was the only one. I was like, is he a psychic vampire? And it's like, every time that one dude hops on, it's something weird about it. But if you know about the psychic vampires and the people leeching off of your energies, you can maybe identify it. Yeah, some yeah, of them aren't know, aware that they're doing it for sure, but they definitely are doing it, you know. And uh, yeah, we could talk about that till the cows come home, man. You, you got people that just jump into a crowd and just try to jump and step on top of everybody and name drop and get, you know, that's all they're there to do is is not have a conversation, but suck the attention and energy out of the room and everything else. I've been around it a lot, but to your vampirism thing, there are when I first went into the golden dawn, I started looking into all of these offshoots. Right. And you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Uh, Thomas, like clandestine lodges, right? Let's say lodges that don't they're considered clandestine because they're either got weird names or they don't have like a real lineage to either England or the French lodge, you know, and even those two go back and forth with each other. But there's lodges in Europe that are actually Masonic vampiric, lodges they have the freaking you know masonic logos they have the whole egyptian thing the whole egyptian rites all the way up to 99 that's not you're talking about the the memphis misrium yeah but even uh, that i like i like the memphis misrium teaches teachings but they're not they're still considered clandestine to this day but but which is stupid i I don't really care but there's even (laughs) there's there's, a there's a really fun story behind all that actually there's even other lodges that are using those teachings and then like calling themselves vampires and diamonds and stuff you know (laughs) and so there's they're studying the art of energetic vampirism though right like absolutely it's a real thing there's there's books on how to do it like there's literally books on and again it's like you they can i think i read where they they can actually like do it while you're reading the you know while you're partaking which is what i tell everybody it's like you without knowing you know unaware you participate in a lot of things that perhaps are quote-unquote magical and you're giving up your energy you're loose to this stuff you know we're talking about robert monroe last time i was on here you know the lizard people in this other dimension you're giving your energy off to them and Again, you're part of this ritual or this uh, ceremony or something. I 100% believe in that. I I believe that people unknowingly give up their energies. I mean, and... Anyone that's ever been micromanaged at a job, like I always assume that whatever the book is on how to be an energy vampire, you could just slap like a <laughs> and to be a micromanager on it or something and put it in there. Yeah. 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 I, I've been reading the book by Dion Fortune, the, the Psychic Self-Defense. It was just like one of the first psychic self-defense manuals, and it she pretty much ba- breaks it down, kind of like what Monroe talks about, what you guys are talking about. But a lot of the attacks that that happen to us either come from ourselves, you know, ha- our own mental things that are going on, or they come from other people, their heritage and their ancestors and karma that they're trying to work out, and they end up getting go- stuck to us somehow, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And then there's the sexual thing; they're that play like. She even taught, and I've seen this happen too in magical orders where like the leader of a magical group or society always gets more attention than everybody or has more charisma or whatever. And then some girl ends up falling in love with the guy and then the girl gets manic and then she's like, oh, he put a spell on me or whatever, right? Or he hypnotized me and stuff gets crazy. And the only, the thing is, is they just can't handle 
the psychic influences and the energies to begin with. And people are trying to point fingers. Oh, this person attacked me and this person attacked that person. (laughs) And then it's stupid, man. Like at some point it becomes like neurotic, you know. We could do a whole comic book on that, bro. Just psychic warfare. You could do a whole series, yeah, like whole offshoots of that stuff, man. Yeah, no, I believe in that, though. I believe in in, in energies, auras, and a psychic vampirism, a hundred percent. And I've I've experienced it. I've firsthand experienced it on a couple of occasions, and I wasn't the only one feeling that energy. It was through a screen. I mean, it was in on a podcast, and it's like, what in the world? You know, I was psyched for this. I wanted to be here, and as soon as Homeboy rolled through, sucked the life out of. Everybody. You're not. You're not going to name names, are you? I'm not going to name. I don't I'm sorry. It was, uh, if it's me, you can just tell me. I'll leave. I'll bounce. No, Joe, we love you, Joe. You're you're one of the homies. No, I don't even remember his name, but he's he's kind of weird. So that's all I'm going to say. (laughs) I respect somebody that's like more honest about that, though. You know, like you don't want to be because you have to have somebody in the room going, is anybody else feeling this bullshit besides Mm -hmm. me? Because if you don't, it's right. Mm -hmm. Right. Because if you don't, then everyone's going to get involved with it. Someone's got to speak up and say something. You don't always have to be the nice guy. So I'm with you. Like I'm, I've been a well-known asshole for speaking up in situations like that sometimes, you know? Well, I yeah, yeah. And I didn't want to be rude. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't my show. I didn't want to be rude. And I just, I, of somebody of, of trust, you know, I just messaged them and I was like, Hey, you know, what's up with this? He's like, dude, it's every time, every time. <laughs> and I don't know why they have him on. I was like, Oh dude, this is crazy. So again, I, I, I've experienced it and I've experienced certain things. And again, it's all, I think it's all mental at the end of the day, all this whole magical thing. And maybe perhaps, I think maybe back then, Joe, it was like a physical thing. Cause I feel that we, since we've been bombarded with, again, I want to get too conspiratorial, but like 5G and all these waves and frequencies all together at once. I think it's what, what Pythagoras was talking about where you need to quiet the mind. You know, quiet the mind so you can hear the music of the spheres. And I hmm. think we're not able to achieve that calmness nowadays, especially with the hustle and the bustle. And that's like when I get into like a float tank and I try to meditate, my mind is going a thousand miles an hour. And I can, you know, for the first hour, it's just like, hey, I wonder if I sent this email. I wonder if if Thomas is on top of the artist to get the 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 work done or whatever for the comic. Oh, you're lying. The, the artists are always on point. <laughs> well, I so think it's you got like, a, no, I mean, know? I think you got a point. Like, uh, I mean, we got to go into the top of the hour break here. But if you think about it, we are we are bombarded with things. Our attention spans are so small now. But back in the day, when the real mystery schools were out, you know, like Pythagoras and stuff, those guys, all they had was pretty much nature, and maybe they're. Maybe they're woman nagging them every now and then, right? That's about it. So it's probably a lot easier to relax. But uh, speaking of which, relax yourself just for a minute. We'll be right back with Juan Ayala and Thomas Gorenz. All right, 1-800-588-0335 is the call-in number. Welcome back to Lighting the Void as we head deeper into the Fringe Late Night. After the broadcast, the Jess Rogie Show, the brand-new Jess Rogie Show, we have a new Late Late Night program, a very lovely lady, to entice your mind, we'll be on after this broadcast. Tonight, we've got Juan Ayala from the one-on-one podcast, as well as Thomas Gorentz from the Paranoid American. ParanoidAmerican.com. I got my stickers, bro. I got my comic books. 
I put them all over my fridge. You know, they're pretty provocative, actually, you know. I'll get like ready them. for, if you think that's provocative, bro, oh, just God. wait, wait until you see some of the things that I'm working on. Really? You got some more cool stuff coming out? Uh, cool yeah, yeah. So, so I was, I'll make this really quick, but I started talking to some distributors to get the comics into places other than just comic shops. And some of those places would be like head shops and, and, you know, uh, weed dispensaries, um, maybe outside Florida. Uh, where like there's recreational dispensaries and stuff and they were mentioning that the mature like the comics made specifically for the mature audiences do a lot better than the ones that are kind of all ages you know anything so if you got an 18 plus comic so I've, I've been working on maybe an anthology that i'm tentatively calling illuminati illumin and then the word naughty has like a funny little uh pun but it's basically everything you love about paranoid american already uh but a bunch of nudity and gore please tell me you're not going to get into what were we talking about on jess's show was it cryptid cryptid it's where they have cryptids that bang each other and they talk about it like almost it, it, it crossed my mind but it, it's too much into like the furry territory and and the furry territory is really Whoa, not my thing don't this, throw this shit is, at the furries bro the, I, I actually yeah, i mean let you. me let me step that back because honestly the longest running comic anthology in american history isn't a still ongoing furry anthology um so it's that they're dominating the the mature comic market, so no no shade at the furries. It's just not something I'm ready to to get into yet. But for example, Joe, I've got um, a 12 page comic on Alistair Crowley. Uh, no, Alistair Crowley um, doing a, a sex magic ritual with Pauline Pierce, Barbara Bush's grandmother, and his uh, live in girlfriend at the time, based on you know as as much uh, factual as I can, and an, and another one that's specifically about edward kelly and john d having what i call the occult wife swap yeah uh, not, which is not another, suitable for work joe don't it is not suitable for work it is very graphic and it shows exactly what happened between the the three of them that night and maybe the angel yeah dude don't. And then I, i've got all, uh, two more two real quick summaries one's called the uh the sexual and spiritual awakening of mary todd lincoln who has the fox sisters come to her log cabin and uh you know show her how to uh, invoke demons how to make spirits come and then the, another one is called <laughs> Jesus uh, Christ. The, the the american revival and it's about the entire world population being wiped out and the statue of liberty comes to life and realizes that it's up to her to to bring life back on the worst planet one. earth and she goes all across the country just copulating with other american monuments everyone you can think of from the washington monument to you, pedro at south of the border are you married thomas uh, I've got a, a long enough. I've got like a, an eleven year uh, girlfriend, so we, you we got one. You got one long enough that you can get away with all this, right? Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I guess th these would all be really big red flags. That because yeah, I can't people. imagine <laughs> being in a relationship, and you know, my girl would be like, "Why are you writing about all this stuff, man?" Like, There's what, been times that you she's into, walked into the room. You know? And been like, what are you looking at? And it's like, no, no, it's a reference for the artist for for this thing. Don't, right. don't worry. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Love to see as Thomas's he gets older. History. Oh yeah, dude. You'll summon a homunculus in a second. But <laughs> as he gets older, he gets into weirder stuff. So it's like as time goes on, it just gets weirder and he weirder. Gets... But it's not it's not as weird as that one time that I was doing an episode on crop circles, and one of the conspiracies is that it's hedgehogs mating, right? So on my <laughs> while I was on the podcast, I had looked up like hedgehogs mating just because I was I was like, I'll, I wonder what that looks like. And anyways, I finished the podcast. I was working on my desk and I left the 
the search engine <laughs> up with it on the screen and in comes the wife and she's like talking to me and that on it. She looks at my screen. She goes, why were you looking that up? And I was like, I promise you, I was on a podcast. I've been like, there before where you're trying to, it, it like. was totally like, yeah, I've been there before. Or like, I was trying to explain to this person what this was. It wasn't me looking at it. And they're like, yeah, uh-huh, whatever. Something's <laughs> wrong with you. You know, so you're looking at hedgehogs doing it. So. Yeah. Well, what did I send you the other day? One was like, like the, the 12 strangest animal penises in the animal kingdom. Yeah. And it's yeah. got, it was, it, and it's one of those links that if you forgot and you left it up and you came back in and it's like, daddy, what's on the screen? It's really weird. Well, so it's not. <laughs> do you guys, have you ever thought about doing, uh, like, I know you have a lot of people on the staff, Thomas, but like, do you have people that are just story people, the people that work with the stories and that's it? Like they only uh, help you that way. I got a guy anymore. I'm telling you that would help you sell way more comic books than you can imagine just doing that. Right. And I know you're pretty, I would love to, yeah. I know you're pretty creative, but I got a guy, his name's night stalker. Right. And dude, he comes on the show. Sometimes he frequents around a lot of these shows and he calls in all the time. This dude's got the imagination that you need just like you. It's almost as sick as yours. I would think just a little bit, but you know, I think you should do some kind of contest. Like whoever's got the best story, send it to me. Let's make a, we'll make a story out of it. You ever try? I'm you getting there, man. Dude, dude, I've, I've got, I've got so many plates spinning that like, I, I want to do all of those things and more and start a Patreon and a podcast and everything. I just have to be like hyper selective of the, the 10 things that get my attention at any given time. Well, I mean, everybody that listens, I would think that listens to my show, the fringe FM one show, most of us, and I'm saying men and women alike, we're all into comic books and all this stuff, dude. Well, so. if anyone does have ideas, hit me up, contact at paranoidamerican.com. I'm always, I mean, I'm not, I'm not like a stuffy big corporation and like you have to contact through the agent and everything. Like I read, yeah. it's like my personal email, essentially. I check that one more than any other email that I've got. It might as well be my personal. So Three when is the this, dick pics too? When is y'all's, when are you planning on launching the, the uh, wands uh, issue? This one? Do you have a uh, well, date? The, the Kickstarter is going for, I think, another like 14 days. We got another two weeks. Um, so halfway into July. And then when that ends, that's that's all the people that are going to be getting the initial print run. Um, that, you know, like they're going to be some Kickstarter exclusive covers and there's going to be some exclusive stickers and all kinds of cool stuff. And then after that's over and everyone that backed it gets their printed copies then we might sit back and decide to do like another very limited run um, before we start working on issue two and three and four and all the way to six. I think that, that, I think that, it could be a big, number a, six. a big thing. Like I think you should dream big with this paranoid American stuff, like big, big, if you're not already, you know, Hey, how big you want to go, man. I'm, I'm working on two different uh, video games right now too. Really? That's yeah. cool, man. Juan, you got the coolest friends. You guys are cool. Uh, Tom, well, that's the thing. I'm very fortunate to be, to not be doing this by myself. And with somebody with so much experience in the field that everything is relatively easy, you know, cause, cause I'm working with one of the best in the field. So yeah, it's easy for me. So again, I'm very fortunate and here I am. And hopefully I am shooting for the stars. And I tell Thomas all the time, I go, dude, what if it does? Yeah, exactly. Why not? Well, well, why not shoot for the stars? So we are. I mean, we are. And then, like I said, we have some pretty big names that hopefully draw some more attention. And so people can see them in a in a cool environment, you know. So essentially, we want to do six 
six issues and every single issue is going to be a different conspiracy with a different podcaster that kind of sort of has that niche in the conspiracy realm. So, you know, the Tartaria crowd, the hollow earth crowd, you know, there are people who are known. You got to put me in the astral travel crowd, dude. You got to. Exactly, bro. You got different people. You got Merkel with the whole cryptid and stuff like that and paranormal and all this stuff. So, you know, it's going to be different people. I want to be ripped man like I you know how you got mark looking in that pod that be one careful, be careful what you ask for bro, i, wanna, every, I don't want to be like every slender. time someone every time someone comes up with like a suggestion for what they want their power to be it's like uh, i'll play like uh like the monkey paw almost it's like okay you want that like you'll get it but it's gonna have a twist to it yeah i mean cost? if think about this <laughs> yeah what cost the listener if you're listening and i know you are listening because i can see you think about what you would want to look like as a comic book character. What would you want to look like, right? Me, I want to be ridiculously ripped. Like, ridiculous. Are you wearing people, spandex? Yeah, dude. Where people are like, <laughs> yeah. where people are like, good God, he's got to be on, like, some kind of steroids we've never heard of. I'm talking about so ripped, I can't even reach around, almost, you know, that kind of ripped. That's how big <laughs> I want to be in a comic book. Like, He-Man, but bigger, you know? You used to, we well, can make not that age, happen. are you? Are you my age? But it, it's like, it's like, you know, occultism, right? You, how much are you willing to give up for that? So <laughs> right. the same thing happens in Paranoid American Comic Universe. That's right. That's right. You can have all that, but at what cost, bro? You know what I mean? You wearing away the filter. So what's going to happen? And it's like a box of chocolates. You might not like what happens by you wanting to attain and achieve that goal. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, 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 like a really dumb kind. version of that, but like you're so ripped, but it's almost like Midas touch. Like yeah. you go to give your homeboy a high five and you break it, you snap his hand in half. And Listen, like, bro, I, I'm you, you go you. to give you know, you know, grandma a hug and you just crush grandma and grandma's dead now. I want to tell you a story about that actually. When I first got into jujitsu in Arkansas and combat jujitsu, we had a guy in there, his name was Dee Dee Nichols. You can look this dude up. Big red-headed dude. He was a black belt, but he was also in the strongman contest. There's pictures of this dude, like, dragging airplanes and stuff. You know, obviously they're in neutral, but he's making a move and pulling them Bro, and things I, like that. Bro, I drug an airplane last weekend, dude. That's I know you did, but these are, this is my point. Like, this dude, he's ripped. He's massive. And I rolled with this guy one time, once, and he just reached out. He was so ripped, he just reached out, and all I did was just like pushed my chest into him to try to bear hug him. And he broke his finger just by touching me because he's so strong. Dude, his finger just broke, you know? Joe was like, uh. You know, yeah, and I was like, like <laughs> dude, he was like, he's, and then he looked at me and his finger was kind of laying over and he, he's like, oh, I broke another one. And I'm like, another one? Like, what are you talking about? You, 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 know? you, uh, you mentioned before that like you love WWE. And when yeah. I was in, when I was graduating high school, one of my, my best friend's older brother, he was he was what you're describing like this completely jacked dude that and he was like taking steroids and he started getting like the scars that come up like he had yeah. gone way over the the limit and was like getting crazy with it and we were driving back from somewhere we were driving back from like Boca Raton back to Fort Myers or something and and we're in traffic and he must have been going through like I didn't know I was a, I was a babe to the world still but he must have been going through some kind of road uh, roid rage and like someone cuts him off and he starts like pulling on the uh the steering wheel and he rips the <laughs> steering wheel off and we're we're like driving in traffic and he said something similar he was like oh god not again 
he knew what to do to like regain control of the car and get it over so yeah. we could get triple a to tow it away and everything but yeah i mean it, it's like that uh like didn't know his own strength and what a terrifying time to Would he lose his temper happen. he just lost his temper and pulled it 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 was weird just because like he would he knew that he was a, like a roid head and that you would expect him to go into a roid rage but he was like a practical joker so he would sometimes like act like he was going into a roid like a roid rage even though he wasn't actually going into the rage but he had the muscles and like he yeah. was doing the same things you know what i mean so even though it wasn't like a real rage out it had all the same side effects of a real rage out yeah, uh, the DD used to do that in uh, jujitsu class because guys like Juan size, right? They were they were built for it. So if they got if they actually got to him and he hadn't thrown him across the room, they would lock onto him like a squirrel, right? And he would just start flipping out. I'm just start hitting him, punching him, <laughs> flipping out, jumping up and down, trying to bounce him off walls and stuff. This was not your ordinary Brazilian jujitsu class. This is one of these people that put a few systems together and made a system out of it. And called it jujitsu, right? So it was kind of, it was kind of redneckish a little bit, you know, a little backwards like jujitsu, uh, like the poor know. man's James Bond version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a Who's cross that? between judo, Japanese jujitsu, and hapkido, right? So we were always doing something stupid, hurting each other in there. But uh, yeah, I think um, to be able to express this stuff through comic books is a big deal, though, right? Because there's a ton of com. I mean, there's a ton of podcasts. There's a ton of books. There's a ton of literature on this stuff, right? And so many people are interested in this. You got to think about this too, right? Like, are you really purveying the truth through this stuff too? And I think to your extent, it's like, yeah, I'm telling you the truth, but I'm telling you some really messed up truth too that you don't even know about, which I honestly, I'm into dark humor. I think it's funny. I think it's hilarious, you know, but I don't, know about the cryptid erotica stuff man i'm I'm a little you know <laughs> i'm not there yet man I, i've got to i'm still working my way towards it i'm not there i yet think either. one's like five more years if he, if he five more years down the road he's going to be into some weird stuff you know well i find it really odd that for some reason you know paranoid american was going on all these years and then as soon as he met me was when he started to venture into these other avenues so i'm like why did you so because i have to sit there and he'll send me previews and I'm like dude that looks good or that doesn't look good so it's like i'm seeing his ideas develop as they're happening he's like hey dude i'm working on this i'm like how are you gonna make that happen dude and i mean he pulls it off and that's why it's paranoid american and not something not marvel i've had Thomas. some of the most awkward conversations this year with artists of my entire life one of them was <laughs> A message that i woke up to and they were like hey i just finished reading the script you were right it is pretty graphic by the way isn't the washington monument like six times her size uh that was <laughs> that led into like a really fun long conversation about you know art direction well uh i the reason why i wanted to have you guys on the show is i was talking to my other friend owen hunt you know bootsy greenwood owen hunt and he's uh i was talking to him and he was telling me he's like oh man you know, he goes, you know, Juan Ayala and Thomas uh, Gorentz? I said, yeah, I know them. He goes, they're killing it, man. They're doing these comic books, and they raised all this money for a comic book. And I'm thinking, what the hell? Like, I just got through talking to these dudes. Like, what's going on, you know? So I figured I wanted to have you guys back on and talk about it, man, because that's how you know when people are making stuff happen. They're making things happen so fast you don't even know what's going on, you know? That's some good energy you guys got going on gotta strike while the iron's hot joe that's something i've learned and you gotta when you have that momentum going it's all about momentum right so if you have it going 
just make sure you don't, you know, you don't do anything else to disrupt it because you might disrupt it and throw the feng shui off. Mm-hmm. And I think we've, we start, you know, the, the, our ideas are coming together so well that people like the artist is, enjoys the script. So when they enjoy the script, they're more eager to get it done. You know, when they're seeing the people in it or whatever, they, they're more eager to get the product done versus if you have an artist, this is what's so great about being with Paranoid American because he's got connections for everything. So it's like, Hey, this guy's good for this. This other guy's not good for this. This guy might not like the script or whatever, but he's been aligning everything to where the artist loves the script. So he's like super eager to just get content out and just, you know, finish the pages, you know, one after another and working at a crazy pace. So we let him do his thing, you know, just keep going. Cause he's already in the, right, you know, man. I get it going. Don't disrupt the man. So, and it's been working out great. So I think it's going to be really fun. And yeah, we are shooting for the stars. I've told Thomas, I want to become, you know, the, conspiracy podcast comic book like you know the alt media united universe or whatever and I want I, uh, other podcasters i think well i in the speaking of which uh i think that there's people in the chat that would agree already you guys are already that you're already considered that as far as the <laughs> right comic on. book genre is concerned right so we got yeah. your back too we're going to help you make it grow We'll be right back. Last segment of Lighting the Void coming up. Also, stay tuned for the Jeff Rogie Show. We're here with Juan Ayala and Thomas Gorentz from Paranoid American. Stay with us. Juan Ayala and Thomas Gorentz, our guests tonight. Stay tuned to the Fringe Late Night here for the Jess Rogie Show. We were talking during the break about all the esoteric symbols and video games and comic books and stuff now. Uh, you know, something else that I've noticed that I think... I feel like, and I'm sure maybe you guys have seen this, I don't know, but I feel like the satanic panic thing is about is coming back. I've seen this on YouTube from some of the people that are big <laughs> speakers for, like, Christians, you know, and now they're worried that they're like, oh, the pagan world is coming back to take over, and, you know, they're trying to break down the Christians again, and I'm thinking, dude, how come every time <laughs> we go to, like, seek truth, this this is what happens. One religion panics that the other one's going to take over or something like that. It's the same thing in politics, it seems like. Oh, the Democrats took over. They're going to take our damn guns. And, you know, and you're like, what? You know, the Republicans, are, they'll be back. They always come back. Like, what are you worried about? You know? But when you look into the truth of all this, you can see that the truth of both religions. And I don't understand to this day why we are still so damn polarized about this stuff, you know? I just don't get it. Yeah, I was, I had a theologian on uh, this past week and we were talking about the new axial age that he believes is going to come where people are going to start to be awakened individually again. And when they switch from the, you know, flat model of, of religion where it was inner, you know, with yourself and finding enlightenment and all this stuff. And they went to the hierarchical pyramid scheme of things with the church with the establishment of the church i think that's when people started to see the facade and the corruption and the hierarchy you know like the guy at the top talks to god every day the guy under him every other day the guy under them you know twice a month so people started to recognize the corruption and the hierarchy and then you know they're starting to wake up really i don't think it's paganism that's coming back but i think it's just people seeing realizing that. Yeah. Now we are gods and we do manifest our own reality and, and all this stuff, you know? What do you think, Thomas? I've got a I've got a more practical, maybe boring approach at this. <laughs> but I've act, so I mean, just like almost any topic we we come up with here, but it's like I've got a comic that I'm working on about this, but I swear it's actually starting production 
in in like uh two or three weeks and it's my next paranoid pamphlet on the satanic panic and i found this thread like i've been i've been trying to knock at this topic for so so long because in my mind there's always been this gap right it's like sometime around um the 40s or 50s maybe into the 60s you got like the mk ultra and the mansons and maybe like the crowley and infecting like the beatles music and then that kind of invokes this like black sabbath imagery there's kind of like this this meandering but very vague thread of like quote-unquote satanism that became in the to popular culture but i really do think that i found one of the main threads here and without giving the whole entire story away it's sort of it all links back to the Knights Templar, essentially. Knights Templar huh. get um, you know, blasphemed by worshiping Baphomet, apparently. And that was, you know, they were all become instant persona non grata. They could all be immediately executed because it was like, oh, you know, they're worshiping Baphomet. So of course they all get to die. No one really cares. Fast forward back to into like the 1880s, and you've got Leo Taxel. And if you're familiar with Leo Taxel's The Mysteries of Freemasonry which he released, which was a hoax book, but it basically stated the same thing about Freemasons, that Freemasons were worshiping uh, Baphomet and that it, they were all Satan worshipers. And he gave them a specific name called the Paladists, um, which is, was kind of like a made-up word for that time. And he this uh, hoax got so far that the Vatican weighed in, and the Vatican even, um, this sort of initiated this anti-Masonic movement in America. It kind of reinvoked this... Uh, schism between the roman catholic church and freemasonry because they're kind of competing for you know sort of authority in many ways um but this this right here was this nugget in 1880 leo taxel claiming that freemasons and paladists were satanists then all of a sudden it reinvoked this concept of like oh my god there might be satanists hiding behind every corner in the the late 1880s early 1900s and this kind of um persisted all the way through popular culture to one Anton LaVey, who sees a, a television program that was featuring, I think, Don Rickles as a Satanist. And it was in like the Wild Wild West, I think, Don was the name of the, the show. Listen to me, bro. This is crazy. I'm telling you. And, and, and I think I'm breaking ground here, seriously. But you'll have to you'll have to wait for the pamphlet. But Don Rickles plays a legitimate Satanist. Um, and he he call, refers to himself as like Mephistopheles or something, but he's essentially a Satanist. He wears a little robe. He has the little pointy beard that Anton LaVey is known for. Anton LaVey at this point is a little bit of an edgelord and he's watching this on TV and he's like, oh, I love this dude's style. Yeah, I'm a Satanist too. And uh, at the time, Anton LaVey was working as like a lounge singer or something, like a musician in like a bar. And he decides the, the night after he sees this, next time I give a performance, I'm going to shave my head and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to declare this bar I'm working in as the Temple of Satan or the Church of Satan. I'm and that sure was like the that. actual, <laughs> this was the, the actual origin of Anton LaVey's oh. um, Church of Satan. And it was all, and like the persona and the idea and everything came from him watching the Wild Wild West and seeing Don Rickles be a Satanist and, and rewinding his back even a little you bit know, further and I'll stop. It sounds but, uh, true almost the way you're saying well, and, it. Bro. And and the guy that wrote um the the episode and produced that particular episode of the Wild Wild West had also worked with Ald Aldous Huxley's personal assistant. And Aldous Huxley's personal assistant wrote a uh, helped write a movie called The Seventh Victim. I think in 1942 it came out. 
And in his research for writing The Seventh Victim, he was set up with a group of quote-unquote devil worshippers that were living in, in Greenwich Village in a, like a nice upper-class apartment building, like rich New York socialites that were self-identified devil worshippers. And he went there and interviewed them for like this part and like the what eventually became in the movie. So if you look at the movie The Seventh Victim, you get an idea of what devil worshippers were like in high-class society in 1940s Manhattan. And anyways, this this is this thread, though. It goes from Leo Taxel to um, this seventh victim movie to the guy that writes The Wild Wild West to Anton LaVey seeing The Wild Wild West and saying, oh, I like that, forming the Church of Satan. And then all of the pop culture sort of emerges from there. I mean, there, there's a lot more links here that I'm not going to, like, monopolize and, and go into every detail. But like, I, I found this thread, bro. I found it sounds it. like the Quentin Tarantino of conspiracy comic books, this guy. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, look at his background. That's what it is. It's uh, putting all the threads together. But yeah, absolutely. So Night Stalker's dropping like pictures of Don Rickles and magician's gear and like robe. And what is this on the Wild Wild <laughs> That's West? That's right. It's from the Wild okay. Wild West, man. Yeah, I don't know if if, if I got the Night exact, of Druid's uh, Blood is the episode he said. That's that's it. That's it. It goes deep, bro. This and it dude. was and it, the guy that wrote it was Bodine, and Bodine also happened to be involved with a lot of the classic horror movies and horror TV shows of the time. So, out of all the people in the world that might have been interested in finding what like actual Satanists were doing in this time period, it was Bodine. And I think Bodine was the one that tasked the uh, the assistant to Aldous Huxley, and and not to mention like how does Aldous Huxley pop up in this? Um, mm. You know, coincidentally, so. Uh, it was just like a fun exploration on finding all of this stuff. You got to finish that Anton comic. Levesque you can't this, tease people like you. You you can't tease us like this. You have to well, actually well, do so that it, comic book. It's going into art production in three weeks, but it's probably going to take a couple months to finish. And and to, to a hat on that is that Anton Lavey was 19 years old at the time. So again, he's like, what you know, just flip it on TV at prime time. Sees Wild Wild West. He's like, oh, what a badass Don Rickles is with this cult. I'm gonna do that, and then bam, now you've got the Church of Satan done. All right. So who? So on the Chosen One versus the Saturnian Cube that's coming out. Like, who did the the, the story thread for that? Did did Juan do it, or did both you guys come up with it, or did everybody pitch in on it? Well, me and Thomas went just back and forth, and it was something that. It's a really fun process because no ideas off the table. So he'll be like, oh, I got a really stupid idea, but it might be stupid. And he'll present and go, dude, that's amazing. But let's switch it up like this. So it was essentially just him and I just going back and forth and sprinkle. You know, we throw shade at certain conspiracies as well just to have fun with it. So it's going to have its paranoid American twist where it's all about never taking yourself too seriously and having fun with it. So it was mostly just us going back and forth and coming up with that. And he'd ask me a question, but why is it like that? And I'd be like, well, that's a good, that is a good question. And we just start to develop like this background of why it was the way it was or whatever. And it was essentially just on the spot. And I think it's hilarious, dude. If you, we have it to the third or fourth issue done. And when you read it, I'm laughing out loud when I'm reading the, the script. It's hilarious. That's cool, man. Yeah, guys- I've got, I've got a philosophy I've learned is that, when I'm working on an idea, like I want to, I want to hear something so extreme that I have to tell you, Joe, like, yo, bro, like 
turn that down from an 11 down to a 10 and let's you know let's see what or like let's see what, if that's an 11 let's see what like a five looks like i i would rather constantly be telling people to tone it down than someone pitches an idea and it's like uh that's like a two bro crank that thing up to like a 20 and come back to me <laughs> well, like, i always want to hear something that like offends me or i'm like bro yeah. that's way too much detail like i, w- I want to like trim down from like a grandiose sort of idea yeah well I I think what you're doing is amazing, and I I find this highly synchronistic because um, I have people that listen to the show that I talk to about this that I feel that I feel like are just as talented writers, artists, you know, alike. And I'm like, you guys should do this. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm not playing. The more I was thinking about this stuff, bam, Juan shows up, and then you show up, and you know, it's like, oh. And I I feel like consciousness is kind of connected because someone's already doing it, which doesn't mean that other people shouldn't do it. It just means like it it's valid, you know. It's a valid idea to like take what's inside of you, all these crazy conspiracies and stuff, and express them through artwork, you know. Like it's a it's it's a, it's really cool, man. And I think you guys you guys are already on like uh, Amazon Comics, all the different comic book things that they have out there right like all of the i mean every everyone that that doesn't matter yet the big ones that matter is like diamond distribution and penguin distribution and that's how you get into actual comic shops but how do we get we're, how do we're we... talking we're talking uh money and uh logistics that are just outside the the current scope right now we're talking Whoa. uh printing like ten thousand issues and then shipping them to hundreds of different stores across the country and paying for warehouses logistics to stock stuff, the ones yeah. that don't sell and yeah, it's, it's a like like uh it's possible but it's like do i want to devote the next three months of my time and budget to that or do i want to just keep making a bunch of crazy comics which is why i've got a backlog of like 10 that are done and just like waiting to get out there but it's like you know do i spend that money and just like printing a bunch of stuff and get marketing done and like all the boring stuff or do i like I, make another comic and get my fix i hear what juan's juan's thinking in the back of his mind right now he's like big go big go bigger <laughs> take it over yeah, we're, you again, know it's, nothing is out of the realm of possibilities so it's definitely we want to get the first one out and the second one really is going to kick it off. And after that, we'll, again, the momentum. We yeah, get a keep good the one, Kickstarters you know? going too, you know it, what it, I mean? Issue, like, issue two is Tartantia. If you want to, if <laughs> you want to get issue three, sorry. big, maybe, I'm just thinking like maybe, I'm just throwing this out there. If you get big enough and get enough of everybody behind you, you could do a Kickstarter to fund a company that could pay and hire people to do this stuff. That some of these Kickstarters have like millions of dollars behind them, dude. You know, it's yeah. for stuff that I don't even give a damn about, to be honest with you, right? Like, but it could happen. You know, it could totally happen. It just takes that that one, Joe, that one to really set it off, and it's like a chain reaction. But uh, we have there's definitely some interesting comics on there that really get pushed a lot of the times that thomas will send me one i'm like yeah dude i, I don't <laughs> i don't know why that's got so many followers or backers or whatever it is but hey i mean we're just doing our thing we're we're the same people on the podcast as we are off the podcast you know so we try to just bring something different to the table and just fresh ideas and i just wanted to do something you know, not that there's not other podcasters doing the same thing we're doing, you know, putting out content, oh, sure, sure but, there are. 
you know, well, I want to encourage other podcasters within my network, you know, all media United to want to come up with their own comic. And we have one right now that stepped up and is getting concept art done and all that stuff. And we're going to make it to where the, the universes can be together. So eventually they'll have a, like a cameo in my comic and vice versa. So I think that's really cool to make it like a community project through paranoid American comics. And we'll see where that goes. Maybe we'll become the Marvel of conspiracy comics and podcasts and stuff. Never say never, you know what I mean? So, and we're, we're dreaming big, man. This is the, the first year that I've actually had as many people working on as many projects at one time as ever. So, and it, and it takes taking big, you know, big steps to see if you get, uh, some big results from it so you're not gonna you're not gonna just sit there and wonder and, and when i was talking to an artist i was working with the other day and they were like man how do you get all these things out and i was just telling them like the trick is that you just finish uh, you finish you know, the project right you yeah. finish it and you put it out and and just by finishing it even if it's like garbage you've already you're already in like the top 10 percent of people that actually finish a thing and then if it's even halfway good, now you're in like the top 5%, you know what yeah. I mean? And just like every little bit of effort that you give it, and that's kind of always been my secret of like, give half of a, a whatever, um, you know, just give, yeah. That's what if it you is just, in podcasting just, too, right? Just care about it a little bit more than everyone else. You don't even have to make it your entire life. Just just actually care about it. And you're already in such a small minority that now if you finish it, like I tell you're going to find that, someone out bro. there all the time in podcasting and some of the new hosts that are thinking about coming on the station and stuff like that too. Uh, they said, man, I heard you say there's a hundred to 150,000 new podcasts that come out every month. And I said, there are, but 70% of those people fade out after the first 10 episodes, right? Another percentage fades out after the first 20 to 50. So if you can get to episode a hundred or 200, you're already up there in the marks with some of the podcasters, right? Then if you, actually start to focus on your craft and make it like compelling you know and just keep doing it regardless if it's shit or not you're gonna get better there's it's an inevitable like it's a probability inevitability kind of thing you know based on the market right so there's a there's a, a old movie called it's a horrible movie called foolish with eddie griffith and master p or something but there's this one quote in there that, that i always go back to and they're asking like eddie griffith like why are you a stand-up comedian and he's like could you imagine me having any other job you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah. any other job if he's working the drive-thru or something he would just immediately start like dressing people down and like cutting at them so it's like he has to be a stand-up comedian because he wouldn't survive in any other realm of life and i'm not saying like i have to do this so or i would die but like i would even if no one was buying the comics and even if everyone said like this is stupid stop doing it i feel like i would just keep on doing it regardless i got an idea i want to talk to you guys about i've already talked to you guys about before but i think i'll, t I'll talk to you about it after the show but i think there's i think storytelling is is where it's at in any realm whether you're listening to it or looking at it right well, if you're I talking think, about the read through man like the yeah. chosen one is the perfect thing for that read through I think, because now we have the actual people that can do the voices. Yeah, so I think that's the next thing, dude, because, yeah, I don't want to keep talking. It's too big of an idea in my mind because it's like everybody's either doing this or that, right? This mm -hmm. or that. But if you can stimulate both, right, at the same time, it's going to, it's, I think it would be amazing, actually. Storytelling's where it's at. 
I could listen to stories all day long and don't have to look at anything. I could also look at stories and read them all day long, especially images, without listening to anything. But to have both, I mean, that's like that's, that's like a brain orgasm almost for me. You know, I think that's what draws people into conspiracies, right? Because it's a story. Yeah. You know, this links to this, this links to that, that links to Aldous Huxley. What? So you start looking like through the lineage of things and it's a big, long story. And I think that's what really draws people in that, that storytelling aspect. And if you look at all, a lot of the popular podcasts or what storytelling, you know, people's experiences and whatnot. So I think that's very important because it speaks to the, our, again, our primal nature of our ancestors when they were telling stories, you know, over a campfire, you know, back then in the middle of nowhere with no technology. So it's, the art of memory and rhetoric that's what religion that's right. is yeah story. bingo man i was i was gonna say like that that classic training of rhetoric like that is storytelling that is mm -hmm. for sure and you guys we we gotta roll out of here but go fund this thing it's already 100 percent funded but i'm asking you guys 100 percent. i'm asking you guys to throw more money at these guys because i love what they're doing i believe in what they're doing go fund the podcast i mean the comic book fund one's podcast too for hell like he's go listen to it i did that's why i wanted him to be on the station right so you guys uh go check it out the one-on-one podcast.com also the paranoidamerican.com i put the links there for you to check out the kickstarter for one's comic book and order some comic books and uh thank you guys for coming on the broadcast it was really fun talking to you again thanks Joe. thanks everybody all right stay tuned for the just rogie show here live on uh, the Fringe FM. Good night, y'all. Sweet dreams. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.